You're listening to audio from Century Baptist Church. To connect with us, visit centurybaptist.org or download the Century Baptist Church app. Can you believe it uh, that right now Scripture tells us there is a choir of heavenly angels whose job it is is to sing that for all of eternity. That there is a choir that never stops being around that throne just singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And they never get tired of it. Like, hey, can we change up the songs? We can't because it's the, it's the most that we can express about who our God is. So I, I pray that that's our, that's our spirit, that's our attitude. That's what I want mine to be uh, all the time. I, I'm, hey, hey, I'll even ask for tryouts maybe. Uh, someday. Can I be in the choir? Let's pray. Father, we're about to go into your word and learn about what it means to live in the community, a true community that you have designed us for and you've commanded us to live into. Would you give us hearts and spirits right now, Father, that are just, that we hear what you want to say through your word. And then, Father, then I just ask that, that the words that I say would just be just out of obedience to what it is that, that I believe the Spirit's given me. And so together, Father, grow us. We love you. You are perfect, holy, and worthy of so much more worship than we could ever give, God. Um, But right now, during this time, even in growing and learning, we worship you. This is your time. Amen. You can have a seat. So I just wanted to, I wanted to just dig into what is it what does true community look like you know if you if you just kind of see Century Baptist Church you just see a church as kind of just an organization a place where you go listen you can come here and you can gain uh, a whole lot I mean that, that's it's it's just part of the ministry even this morning you can uh, you can come and and I even encourage you that on Sunday mornings don't just don't just go, well, church is an hour where we're in and we're out. What we do around here, what so many people and our ministry leaders invest in is to help us grow as a community. So you can come and we don't have uh, coffee and donuts to try to get people who love coffee and donuts to come to our church. We, we have them so that we can build up the body, that we can fellowship together, that we can, that we can hang out and we can help dentists with their work, you know, and your kids' teeth. So we have, we have seminars, like how to, how do I just understand your teenagers so that, so that you can be the best parent that you can be according to what the Word of God says. We've got membership seminars that will help you to understand what does it mean to be a part of a body. It's all to help us grow in community. So as we approach this text today, let's understand that that's why, that's why we're taking a look at it. Who are we supposed to be as the church according to Jesus. So we really want to focus on it. So guys, men, you got to stop thinking about the Roman Empire for just a little while, right? And not many people got that. You guys aren't on TikTok this week? Okay. All right. Men think about the Roman Empire uh, at least once a week. That's what they're saying. Now I've started it. Now that's all the guys are thinking about. Okay. I, I guess I'm a way more hip pastor than I thought I was, right? So the teens would have laughed at that. A disciple of Jesus Christ lives in community. It's one of the characteristics of a disciple that as we're followers of Jesus, that we invest ourselves into the relationships uh, with other believers and we allow other believers to, to speak into our lives. We are called to, to live together, to dwell together, to, to do this life together so that we can all together be built up as the body of Christ. Paul talks about this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 
9, where he says, so encourage and build each other up. That's what our, that's what our goal is. That's what our, our assignment is as, as the body of Christ, that we're supposed to speak into each other's lives. Not only that, but here's the hard part, because we like the speaking into each other's lives part, but we need to allow other people to speak into ours. And as it pertains to today's text, to speak truth about, about sin and how we can take care of it. So as we come today to this passage, we come from a place of really humility. We just say, all right, so God, show me what it is, because I want to be a part of true community. Now, before we get into this text, let me just help us all kind of get into an understanding of, of how Jesus gets us to what he's going to say today. There were conversations that had taken place between Jesus and his disciples as he's preparing them for his leaving, for his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension. And then the ministry was going to need to continue. Jesus uh, brought the kingdom down and, and revealed to them, it's time to repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. And as Savior and Lord, that message needed to go out and, and God's plan is us. Go and make disciples, he says. But it's not meant to be done alone. We're to do it with the support of one another and speaking into each other's lives and, and building each other up and encouraging each other. Well, the disciples, we, we've been looking at them for a while now. They're, still, they're continually maturing. They've got a lot of questions. And, and what had happened, I mean, we, we find in Luke chapter 22 that the disciples were having a conversation one day. And Jesus says, what is it that you guys are talking about? And their response is, well, we, we just want to know. When, when, you, when you take the throne uh, in heaven, um, which of us gets to sit at your right hand? In other words, we're talking about who the greatest is going to be in the kingdom. I mean, we know it's you, but second greatest, right? Who's going to be, who's going to be, who's the man in heaven? And Jesus' response, uh, we read about it at the beginning of, of chapter 18, where, where Jesus, instead of, I mean, in true Jesus fashion, he, he teaches them a lesson by bringing a small child. And he said, unless you become like this child, you can never be great. It just totally flips the world upside down. He says, unless you become humble, willing to learn, desiring to grow, and, and, and let me, let the Father mold and shape you, you can never enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then, then the lesson kind of continues. We've talked about it over the last few weeks because Jesus said, and he gets, he's very clear, he says, shame on anybody that, that hijacks the growth of somebody wanting to, to grow in their relationship with me. What is he, he gets pretty harsh, better for a millstone to be hung around somebody's neck, thrown into the river than to lead one of these young ones astray. And then he goes on to say, as we talked about last week, if one does go astray, like, like a sheep, leave the 99 and go and find the one. And he, what he's saying is it's so vital that we, that we grab a hold of those who want to grow in their faith and we bring them alongside with them. We invest in them. We love them like Jesus loved so that they can, be, become, they can know Jesus and become more like him. That's the goal, that we would all grow more and more like Christ until the day that he returns. So... So as we talked about last week, it, Jesus said, so 
So shame on anybody that despises one of these little ones. Shame on anybody, in other words, that looks down upon or thinks that they're better than them. Well, today's uh, text is, is just a continuation of Jesus' teaching, but I think it comes from the mindset that a lot of us would have, is that would, there kind of maybe a hand would go up from the disciples, and hey, you, you talk about um, shame on anybody that, that looks down upon another brother or sister in Christ, but what are we supposed to do if somebody does that to us? What, what, if, what, what do I do if somebody, if somebody does disobey you and treats me poorly and, and ignores me, shames me? Well, Jesus' response is what today's text is. So if you are willing, if you're able, let's stand together. Let me read this text to you. Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge would be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. And if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I uh, among them. Father, as again, as we go to this time, may you just speak to our hearts. This is your word. We love it. Help us to live into it. Amen. You can have a seat. So let's just talk about what it means to live in true community. And the, it starts with, with brotherly love. Now, uh, everybody here ha- has to hear this. When we read brother in Scripture, it's talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. It's, it's us. It's the assembly. It's those that follow Jesus. When you, when you follow Christ, God as the Father, you are adopted into a new uh, spiritual family that's lived out on earth. And we are all now... We now are in a relationship with each other. We help each other grow. In ancient Judaism, your neighbor was one that shared your nationality, but your brother was one that shared your faith. That's who we are here today. We're we're the family of Christ. We are a small part of a global family of Christ, but we're to live as spiritual brothers and sisters uh, with one another. Uh, and and I, I have to remind us of that because so often when we talk about God as Father, when we talk about fellow Christians as brothers and sisters, uh, one of the things that we can fall into is, is that we, we, we let uh, our relationships, right? We let the horizontal uh, determine uh, the vertical. In other words, we, we so often say, well, because I didn't have a father, or, or some might say, because uh, my dad treated me so poorly, then, then that's how they view God. They, they, let, they let the horizontal de- determine how they view the vertical, and that's not how it's supposed to be. What we're supposed to do is we're supposed to let the, uh, the vertical determine the horizontal. What does God say about who he wants me to be as a father, as a brother, a sister, and how we care about people? And we can often say that as well. I, don't, I haven't talked to my siblings in years. I don't you know, whatever your relationship is, you have a hard time then saying, it's hard for me to accept the people around me as a brother or a sister because I don't have a good, 
I don't have good relationships with my brothers and sisters. And I say, well, let's flip it. That when we look at Scripture, uh, the relationships that we are to have, yes, we've got uh, blood siblings, but, but Jesus is saying, because of what I've done for you, uh, you now have inherited a, a huge family. And this is how I want you to treat one another. Not the way that you typically treat your brothers and sisters uh, who you are related to. Um, but he says, this is what true community uh, really, truly is. And so Jesus says, so if a brother sins against you, in, in, in a situation, what we need to understand, if they sin against you, not, not if somebody sins, this is what I want you to do. He talks about that at different times. But if somebody sins directly against you, and also, please don't read this as if somebody offends you because they don't have the same opinion as you. Jesus isn't saying that either. He's saying if somebody goes against God's word and in your relationship there is found to be that they've sinned against you, it's going to threaten the bond of your relationship. It's going to break that. Then, then you need to go and to take care of it. Isn't it amazing how, how Jesus, uh, how he teaches and what it is that he declares in this? Because we operate oftentimes that if somebody sins against me, we just, I don't, we don't want to have anything to do with them, Right? And so they're the ones that did something wrong, and so, so I'm going to remove myself from them so that they come running after me, uh, and, and it's up to them to make it right. Jesus says, not in, not in my kingdom. In my kingdom, whoever recognizes that there's something wrong that's going to break that bond, and there's some unholiness that exists, you run to them and you take care of it immediately. You talk it over with them. Show them their sin so that they'll know that they've done it, that they would sense the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and that they would repent. Our, our, our motivation in doing this, and, and again, we need to remind ourselves, this is, this is in true community in Christ's church the way that he wants it to be. Now, we're full, the church is full of sinful people. We're saved by grace, and we don't always operate the way that he wants us to. So he's saying, so start. Here's what I want you to do. Here's how this should work. And it begins with the reason that you need to go and, and, and correct somebody and talk to them about their sin is not so that they feel guilty. It's not even immediately so that they repent, although that's the end goal, that relationship is restored. But the reason that we go and do it is because Jesus said so. We, we fix our relationships with, with people because it's obedience to Christ. It's what he wants in his body. We should all strive to treat one another with the love of Christ. But we also, in order for this to take place, live, we need to live so closely to Christ, to hate sin and what it does in our own lives and in relationships. That I'll just put, we need to put ourselves on the other side of this that we need to be the kind of people that if somebody does approach us, that we've wronged them in some way, that, that we're actually receptive to it. What we need to ask ourselves is, is am I approachable? H have, I, have I invested in relationships with, with the people around me that love Jesus? Do they know me so well that, that if I were to do something that would hurt somebody else, they would go against God's plan, that 
that they know that they could immediately come and talk to me and I would be open to it. I would be receptive to it. But if people don't know you, right, if people don't know who you are or they see some sharp or harsh personality, it's going to be really difficult for them to approach. There was nobody more approachable in Scripture than Jesus. People who had leprosy, who weren't supposed to go anywhere near people, ran to Jesus. Why? Because they knew that he would care. Jesus ate with sinners and tax collectors. Why? Because he seemed to be the only person that, that would talk about God that actually wanted to show them God. And they wanted to have a relationship with him. Even the people that couldn't stand Jesus were always around him. And he was always having conversations with them. If we as disciples are to imitate Christ, shouldn't we, shouldn't we be approachable? Shouldn't we want that? Shouldn't we, in our relationships that we, that we have with other believers, they should know by how we live and how we speak and that, that man, if anything, if there's anything that I do, I know I can go talk to him. And, and he's not going to chew me out or, or, or throw the old judge not lest you be judged back in my face. But, but that we just say, man, thank you. Thank you, thank you for, for pointing that out because I didn't, I didn't even know that I did it. Or I did know that I did it, but pride is, you know, kind of bubbled up and I, I want to make it right. Jesus says, so if somebody sinned against you, go and talk to them. This is the big one. Ready for this? Alone. That, that we could, that's probably, we could probably end the message here today and go, you know what, we all need to work on that one. Because so often, I mean, you ever have people come to you and go, hey, I need to talk to you about something. I was talking with a bunch of friends about this and they think that I needed to come and talk to you. Wrong, right? It's not, it's not the way that it's supposed to be in the body of Christ. If you have an issue with somebody, you go and talk to them alone before you talk to anybody else before you spread, because and, 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 that's called slander. And, and I will tell you, I, I could, I'm convicted of it. Because it's so easy. Like, I just need to get your advice. But in reality, we don't need people's advice. It's really, I'd love to just gossip about this person's a jerk. You know, I want to talk about them. No, Jesus says, because what does that do? It, that hurts community. If somebody's got a, if you have a problem with somebody because of their sin, Help them out. Because if you go talk to people and then you call them out on their sin, they're going to go, thank you, I repent. Now I need to talk to you about something. You've been talking to me with all these other people. Talk alone, Jesus says. You don't need backup. You've got Jesus. He's there. You've got the Holy Spirit who's going to lead you and, and guide you. And I'll also, I'll also say this. You talk to them alone, meaning face-to-face, We've got a policy that we've had here at Century as pastors and leaders ever since I got here, and it was we receive nothing anonymously, right? Nothing comes to us in the form of a letter. Immediately you look, if there's not a name at the bottom, uh, file 13, right, in the trash. It might be really great stuff. Somebody they had to talk to you, but that's not biblical. Biblical is let's talk face-to-face, one-on-one. Let's clarify this. So we can get it taken care of. And I'll also say this. You might be the nicest person in the world, right? You might go, ah, nothing really bothers me. It rolls off my back, right? Uh, I, I, it's, it's not a problem. Yeah, I, I know they, they did that, but no big deal. 
There is no footnote in the Bible that says, well, if you're wired differently and somebody sins against you, just let it go. Because it's not about you. That's the thing. It's about, it's about us in the body of Christ helping one another out. I want to I bring you to the throne of Christ, to the foot of the cross, so, so that you can, you can be relieved of the weight of the sin that is on you for this. If somebody would come to me and say, I've got a, I've got a situation where I believe that you've sinned against me, I should listen and I should say thank you. And, and then go to Christ and say, thank you for your grace and your forgiveness that you've given to me. And you know what that does? It strengthens the bond of community relationships. Then it goes on to say, Jesus says, but if they don't listen, if they don't listen when you, when you talk to them, then he says, take one or two people with you. It's based off of kind of ancient uh, law that God gave in Deuteronomy 19.15 that, that says, based on the evidence of two or three witnesses, can a charge be established? And so it's just this mindset of get, is that you've gone to them and they've rejected you. They, they, haven't, they don't see the error of their ways. So that's when you go and you get two other believers. Believers. And together, uh, you, you get everybody together and and the two or three that are with you get to hear the situation, and then they decide. Yeah, yes, repentance is, is needed or not. For the sake of, of the soul of the offender, you wisely and prayerfully choose some people to go with you, and you state your case and decide if a sin is committed. And, and that's just how it's supposed to operate. And so again, we also have to be receptive to it, right? If we reject it, we got to know that there should be more people that are coming to sit down with me and talk. And then it's, it's meant to, to really help people process and understand what's going on in their, in their heart. And if they still reject that correction, talk about grace. Jesus says if they don't, if they don't listen to you, and don't listen to you and, and, and some other friends, then, then he says... Tell it to the church. He uses the word ecclesia, right? Because as Jesus is speaking this, the, the, the church as, as kind of we know it uh, today didn't exist. That He would, he would uh, start that in the book of Acts, but he understands it's an assembly. That's what ecclesia means, the church, when Jesus used it. It's an assembly of people. It's not a facility. It's not an organization. It's not a building. It's, it's people that, that share Christ, that we have that in, in mind, the assembly of believers. It sounds harsh, because it is. Really, what the understanding is, nobody in his right mind would, would want to stand before an assembly of, of people that they know. First it was one friend, then it was two friends, and then now you're standing in front of all of your friends, your entire community, and, and evidence presented, and, and the people saying, we care too much about you. To not help bring you back to where you need to be. And then Jesus says, and if, if they still refuse, treat them like a Gentile or a tax collector. Now what Jesus is not saying is that we're allowed to ever treat people like Gentiles and tax collectors. He's saying culturally, in those days... Gentiles were, they were not part of the Jewish faith, and so they, they didn't have anything to do. You're not a part of our community. Same thing with tax collectors. You, you lie, you steal, you, you take from us. You're not welcome in our community, and that's 
what Jesus says, and that's what needs to take place. But it's not meant to shame a person, and it's not, it's not meant for forever, that you never want to have anything to do with them, because that's not the gospel. Here's, here's what it means, and it's a challenge to the church today, is the church should be such a place, and the relationships there, some of the deepest relationships that we have, people should love being a part of the body of Christ so much that the threat of being excommunicated, being set out of the community, should make them stop and think and say, I, I will do whatever it takes to make sure that I don't lose you people in my life. I need you. That's, that's what this is all about. That's where Jesus is going with this. And it is a great lesson to all of us that, that we as a community of believers should should have relationships that go so deep and are so caring for one another that that no one would want to live without it. It says a lot about who we need to be. Jesus then goes on to say, um, as as I said, sometimes that the threat of excommunication can seem so harsh. But but the response of somebody might say, well. Do we, really have, do we really have that kind of power? Do we have the right to do that? Jesus in this text says, you absolutely do. I, I've given it to you. I've entrusted that power to you as, as my body that you can, whatever you bind and loose on this earth, it will be bound and loosed in heaven. We've talked about this before in Jesus' conversation with Peter, but binding and loosing is, is the authority to declare what, what God's mind is on a matter of doctrine and practice. It, rabbis use that as a term of, of reading Scripture and saying, we believe this is what it says to do, and this is what you're not supposed to do. That, that's, that's called binding and loosing. And Jesus says, I give the church, my people, uh, the right and the power and the authority to make these decisions based on my word, based on wisdom, and based on when you gather together and you discuss these things and you determine if a person has is guilty or not guilty, uh, Jesus says, if you do it right, you're honoring the Father in heaven. It's not saying that whatever decision that you, that you make, God, God will say, uh, okay, I'm good with that. No, it's it, whatever we decision that the body of Christ makes in, in that situation is trusted that this is what God's will is. And he honors it and rewards through it. It's a call to confidence and a call to, as well, to, to understand our role in one another's lives. We, we should hold it highly and, and treat it with incredible respect. Somebody might say, well, what gives you the right to treat people like this? What gives, what gives you as a group of people the right to tell me what to do with my life? And we say, it's not a what gives us the right, it's who. God gives his church, his people the right to make the decisions, to help people grow in their walk with Christ, whatever it takes. And then finally, uh, Jesus really kind of just says, uh, without necessarily saying, what he's saying is, just make sure you uni you're unified in your prayer. That's really where it starts. Uh, in, in the really early versions, when Peter Parker first finds out that he's 
got these spidey powers, right? His spidey senses start tingling. He's talking with his uncle about it. And his uncle says, just remember this. With great power comes great responsibility. And, and, and that's what we need to understand because there are some of us that we're kind of wired that when we hear that you, have, you as the church have the authority uh, to, to, to correct people in their sin, we kind of go, well, finally. Now I found my place where I'm going to fit in, right? I, that's my spiritual gift, telling people what to do. No, that's not how it works. It, what it is is, is that we come humbly and understanding and respecting that power and the responsibility, the authority that God has given to us and the way that we do that is that we go to Him in prayer. And so Jesus says, if two of you agree on earth, in other words, if you talk about what's gone on and you come to a decision, then you bring it before the Father and He will reward you for the time that you've taken in prayer and seeking His face. What we need to do, though, is also understand that Jesus says just because two people pray about something doesn't make it so, right? We have to look at it in the larger context. If you pray anything in my name, whatever you do, uh, and whatever you ask in my name, God will give it to you. But Jesus, this isn't uh, the, the, the only time Jesus teaches about prayer. He says that when you pray, have faith. When you pray, pray in my name. When you pray, come humbly. When you pray, pray the Father's will. And now he says, and when you, when you come together in wisdom and, and in the word and you come before the Father and says, God, this is what we believe that you want us to do. And if it's in his will, it says, that's exactly. I will answer that prayer. I will give you the answers that you need to be the community that I've designed you to be. It was an ancient rabbinical truth that if two people sit together and the words of the law are between them. In other words, that their conversation is about this. The divine presence of God rests among them. And Jesus just changes it up. And he says, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. And he does the work. He gives it, us what it is that we need. Psalm 73, 24 says, guide me in your counsel. That should be our prayer at all times. God, give us what we need so that we can be the people that you've called us to be because what this world doesn't need is we don't need... There's enough division out there that there should be none here, that we should fight for whatever it takes for us to stay together, to be together, to grow together because the world needs it. And the world, Jesus tells us in John 13, 35, the only way that the world is going to know about the love of Christ and, and why they need this is by watching how we love each other. And one of the greatest ways, Jesus says, that you can love each other is to hold each other accountable in your relationship when, you, when you've been harmed. That's the role. We have the right, we have the command to do it. It's part of discipleship. Are you, are you, are you bold enough to live into what Christ has called you to do and empowered you to do and are you humble enough to receive it when it's necessary that is true community let's pray father we love you we thank you for your word how it leads and guides our prayer father is that you would that you would just help us to live into it we all know that we could do better we know as leaders of century baptist that we we could do better and we know that oftentimes we fail so father as I stand before 
this congregation, I just ask on behalf of all of us, God, would you just for, forgive us for the times when, when we haven't been obedient in this. Show it to us, reveal, us, reveal it to us, help us to go to people and seek forgiveness, God, because we desire to be the church that you have designed us to be, brothers and sisters in Christ, taking the gospel to the world. We praise you, we love you. We give you this song as a final offering. Amen.